song still remains the same I wanna hook you, hook you with you Good morning and welcome to episode 677 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. What have you to say for yourself? Uh, <laughs> how are you, Ben? All right. Good. What the heck with the Corey Kluber? That's today's topic. All right. Anything before we talk about that? Nah. All right. Well, so in the grand tradition of improbable things happening shortly after we talk about them, yesterday we talked about why there aren't more high strikeout games. We were answering a listener email about the Michael Pineda 16 strikeout game, which was unusual enough. And tonight, Wednesday night, Corey Kluber struck out 18 Cardinals. It was one of the more impressive starts ever. <laughs> is that is that too much to say? It's one of it's by game score the best eight inning start ever. And game score is a weird. We need we need something better than well, game score. Even if it even but, if game score is perfect, the that I mean, limiting it to eight inning starts rules out pretty much any start, right? Because Nobody's getting pulled after eight innings. Like throughout mm-hmm. baseball history, nobody gets pulled after eight innings of a start that's that good. I mean, that's the thing that's so weird about it is that, pull, like, even if he only had, say, 16 strikeouts and there was no record available, nobody gets pulled there. Like, 113 pitches throwing a one hit shutout. Like, you're the ace of the staff. Right. You're, the, you're the horse. You're the guy who gets the shutouts. 113 pitches. You go out there, you at least get a base runner. So that start, even without the record, it's it's sort of surprising that he got pulled. Mm-hmm. So, so that, the right. eight thing, you just you you just cheated with that filter. That's why all fun facts are lost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not my. It's a wasn't my find, but yes. So he goes eight. He went six and two thirds hitless, and then there was a. Johnny Peralta grounder kind of up the middle. Wasn't particularly hard hit. That was the only hit he allowed. He didn't walk anyone. Struck out 18 and... Did hit a batter. My guess is that that game score whatever was probably using a game score equation or a formula that doesn't count hit batsmen, but I always manually adjust for hit batsmen. That makes sense. And it was... It was dominant. It was, if you watch it, you can go to MLB.com and they cut together all 18 strikeouts and you can watch them. And some of them are nasty strikeouts. I mean, maybe most of them. There are, there are a couple, like the ninth strikeout to Peralta, I think it was, and the 15th maybe to Molina. It was, it was quite a show. And most of those, do you know how many were swinging? Most of those strikeouts were swinging. He was not, like, getting think, tons of calls on the outside corner or anything, at least on the third strike. He was he was missing bats. I want to say that they said that five were were called. Yeah, it was it was very impressive. And so he was pulled, and, and, and the Cardinals are a tough team to strike out, too. They were one of the hardest teams to strike out last year. They're one of the hardest teams to strike out this year. It was really impressive. And... And Corey Kluber came into the game with the biggest ERA minus FIP gap of any starter with 40 innings pitched, but the it was almost two runs. 
But the really depressing thing for the Indians is that the ERA minus FIP gap for their entire rotation was actually bigger than that <laughs> coming into this into this game. It was like 1.96 runs, which is insane. But that is how bad the Indians' defense has been. So wait, so Kluber had one of the biggest gaps in the league, and the other four guys cumulatively had a bigger gap. Than yes, him. they okay. didn't all have the the forty inning minimum, but to, collectively, yeah. yes, they had bigger gaps. So the entire Indians rotation had a pretty good FIP and a pretty bad ERA, like a two run gap between them coming into this, and that's because the Indians' defensive efficiency was. or 65.4, however you want to say it. They recorded outs on 65.4% of balls in play, which would be the worst ever if, if it were sustained over a full season. It won't be, but the 2007 Devil Rays were the worst ever, and they were like 66.8 or something like that, 66.9. So, so thus far, the Indians have been fielding like the worst fielding team since 1950 or worse. And that's how you end up with a gigantic ERA minus FIP gap. And so Kluber has figured out how to solve that problem. Just strike out everyone. And then you don't have to count on the Indians defense. So, Uh, yeah. yeah. Although, in fact, his ERA minus FIP gap, he had an ERA minus FIP gap in this as well. Because I believe he had a negative FIP today. Uh Uh-huh. I, I believe, right? He must have, yeah. Yeah, he had like a negative 1.3-ish FIP. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact... Yeah, he uh, lowered both of them. I don't know that he both, shrank the gap that much. Yeah, I'm not sure he shrank the gap at, at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's scary if you're an Indians fan. You're aware of it if you're an Indians fan. So all they have to do is just strike out double-digit guys every game, and they'll they'll be fine, which... To be fair, Danny Salazar might actually do. But that is not the central issue here. The central issue is the hook and to hook or not to hook. And complicating matters slightly is that Terry Francona was ejected in the fourth inning for arguing with an umpire. And so we don't know who to assign responsibility for the hook to. Brad Mills, the bench coach, was the acting manager so he at least went through the motions of doing it i don't know whether francona was calling the shots or not from the from the clubhouse but in his post-game comments he at least supported the move he talked about how you know it's a two nothing game and you can't afford to be a fan and you don't want kluber to go out there and put a guy on and and then you've got some traffic on the base paths and then you have to bring in cody allen who is been quite shaky this year you want him to have a clean inning that is part of the rationale so that's the decision it's a two nothing game and so so disingenuous (laughs) it's it's well what is the disingenuous what do you think what is the real reason well no the the disingenuousness is that if if he hadn't allowed a hit he would have gone back out there they would have left him out there to complete the no hitter they would have let him right. throw 145 pitches in a one nothing game if he had a no hitter going i don't know about 140 they remember they took out they took out a guy who was pitching a no bauer, bauer. bauer no but bauer had thrown 110 through six innings or something yeah. absurd yeah kluber had thrown 113 through eight and kluber's 29 
And um, I mean, that's you know, Bauer's 24. That's not insignificant to the equation either. But I mean, the main thing with Bauer is that there was no way Bauer was going to make it. Like he had mm-hmm. no chance. It was clear from the fourth inning on that he had no chance. And the other thing with Bauer He'd thrown 111 through six. So there was zero chance he was going to make through. But the other thing is that was his first start of the year. And Kluber, mm-hmm. it's mid-May for Kluber. Yeah, right. So we did a lightning round about this at Grantland. Just a bunch of people chimed in. And that you can probably go read that now if you're listening to this on Thursday. And uh, it kind of, there were various perspectives some of it was just about how great Kluber was some of it was about the Indians and their defense and everything and a lot of it just devolved into a pitch count discussion and I did a little bit about that and Ranny chimed in and of course Ranny was one of the real pioneers of the pitch count limiting movement in the in the late 90s at BP wrote the seminal piece yep. uh, introducing pitcher abuse points. Which he linked to in his lightning round contribution. And, and he basically said that he never dreamed that it would go this far and that it has gone too far. And I'm, you know, that was my initial inclination. I'm kind of, I'm looking at it and the evidence for a really recent decline in pitch counts is not kind of mixed. Like I looked, you know, the, the most... The highest number of pitches anyone has thrown this year is 125. Johnny Cueto threw 125 on April 22nd. And I think Johnny Cueto has the next highest to like 123 or something. And last year through the same date, and I know the season started earlier last year, but through the same date, six guys had thrown at least 125. Five guys had thrown more than 125. And... I'm not sure that was typical. Like I looked at a year or two before and it, it was like, you know, maybe three or four guys, but more than one guy. And I don't know whether that is a sign of things moving even further. Like if you look at the average pitch count per start, it hasn't really changed much lately. Like last year it was 95.8 and in 2009 it was 95.3 and in 2004, it was, I think, 94.9. It's actually gone up, possibly. And, of course, the offensive environment has totally changed in that time, too. So that is probably influencing it somewhat. You're, you know, fewer guys are getting on base. You're not facing as many batters to get through innings. So that's part of it, too. So it's kind of hard to adjust. But it's not like there's, I don't think, been an enormous change just in the it's, you know, too soon to say that, like, we've reached a whole nother gear with pitch count limiting lately or in this season or something. But this is, I mean, you're right. The It is baffling that the no-hitter is still given such leeway, such respect, such awe that if this had been a no-hitter, if that ground ball from Peralta had been a couple steps to the left then they probably would have left Kluber in. But the much more impressive record of 21 strikeouts, which was in play, he could have broken the record for strikeouts in a nine-inning game. He could have certainly tied it. And and this, I mean, on its own, this was the first 18 strikeout game since 2004, since Ben Sheets did it. First one in the AL since 
Roger Clemens did it in 1998. So that alone was impressive, but but he had a legitimate shot at who was coming up in that inning. I don't know who was coming up in that inning. Well, it was the I think it was the nine one two hitters because uh-huh. I think Mark Reynolds was the last the last person he faced. Okay. Well, he had a legitimate shot. It would have been the most. He should yeah. would have been the most exciting half inning of the season so far. Yeah. I left dinner early to make sure I could see it. Uh-huh. Uh, so it would have been uh, Borges, who had struck out in all three plate appearances, and then Wong and Carpenter, who had each struck out in two of four. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and if one of them had gotten on, it would have been Cosma, who had struck out in both of his. Right. And so this is, it's always a hard thing, because like we are, we're going to say that they should have let him in, should have let him stay in. It would have been much more fun for everyone if they had done that. We haven't done serious research into the effects of pitch count, and I'm sure the Indians have done extensive research on that subject. Like, I'm, would you would you guess that there is hard research behind this decision, or that it was just a reflexive, he's at 113 and that seems like a high number decision? Or would you guess that like there is some... You know, when a guy goes beyond 110 or whatever. And, and if he had if he had been as efficient in the ninth as he had been through the first eight innings, he would have finished at, I think, 127, which doesn't sound like an enormous number, but it would be the most anyone has thrown this season. So would you guess that there is hard, persuasive research behind this? Like if you could see into the Indians' system and uh, look at the conclusions of their pitch count study, you would be swayed? Uh, if I had to guess, and you're, you're making me guess, I, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hesitant to guess, but I, I will guess because you told me to guess. Thank you. Uh, Very supportive of you. If I had to guess, uh, I would not say that I thought it was likely that there was any hard research behind this. I don't think there is any research existent. I don't believe that it is a fact that throwing 130 pitches once is particularly risky, particularly probably uh, once you have, you know, established yourself as a major league pitcher capable of throwing 120. And if, you know, especially, I don't know if they have the day off tomorrow, given that it was, well, it wasn't a day game, was it? It was like the, 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 the hour early. I don't know if they have tomorrow off, but if he had an extra day, uh, he doesn't have an extra day. Uh, well, they might have Monday off. If they have Monday off, then he would get an extra day, in which case, uh, then I don't. I would feel perfectly fine. What I'm saying is, I don't think there's hard research because I don't think it's a fact. However, uh, if if I were, if you if you were to tell me that there was research, and I I could accept that there might be, I would guess that maybe it's conceivable that. Perhaps Kluber, I mean, considering that he struck out 18 batters in eight innings, it would not surprise me to learn that he, A, was throwing harder than he usually does, B, was maybe throwing more sliders, perhaps better and harder sliders than he usually does, and I could see there being some correlation between the amount of strain that those pitches put on his arm, uh, that maybe like the better your pitch is, maybe the worse it is for your arm like if there were you and i've talked recently about the modus sleeve the modus sleeve which has been rebranded i forget what it's called but the company is modus 
and they have a sleeve that you wear, a wearable sleeve that among the many things it does is it basically can monitor the amount of torque that is your arm is going through or my words are not good, but uh, the amount of strain that your arm is is undergoing with each pitch. And so instead of just having a pitch count, you can kind of have a stress count or a you know fatigue level throughout the, throughout the game in real time. Now, that is not approved for Major League Baseball yet, uh, so you can't wear it in the game. Corey Kluber was not wearing it in the game. But most teams have used this sleeve um, this year at, at various points in their training or in spring training or in their workouts. And so it's conceivable that they have, by looking at that, discovered that once Kluber or once any pitcher is throwing, you know, a mile an hour harder throughout a game than he usually does, that the strain is actually greater. That would be my my hypothesis for what research might be there that would justify this. That in fact, while we've been generally saying, oh, well, he's been cruising, therefore it's not as strenuous for him. It's not as uh, laborious for him. I think that's probably true. There's good evidence of that. However, it could be that some of the uh, some of the variables that lead a pitcher to be quote cruising might themselves be risky, like he's throwing harder or he's throwing more sharper breaking pitches. Mm-hmm. And Kluber has never thrown more than 120. He he had his three highest pitch count starts were all last year in August and September when the Indians were in a playoff race, and he was the Cy Young Award winner or about to be. And he had a 116 and a 118 and a 120. And he's never gone beyond that for whatever that's worth, which I don't know. And there was that article Russell Carlton did on like the effect of one start over a certain threshold. And he found real things. I don't know that they were so significant that you would forfeit a chance at a really cool, historic, exciting moment for them. But given that, I mean, the Indians are one of the more disappointing teams so far this year. They were picked by many to be the AL Central favorite. They were, you know, roughly even playoff odds, as I recall, when the season started. And even after this win, they're 12-20, and and their playoff odds are down to around 1-4 in just to make the playoffs, and, you know, 12.2. 6% or something to win the division. So pretty long odds as it is, which I don't know whether that makes you say that they should be more willing to do this because they've had a lousy season. It hasn't been fun and this gives you something to enjoy or they have no margin for error and they need every win. And if anything happens to Corey Kluber, who is their best pitcher and maybe the best pitcher, that would take them out of the race, and so they can't afford to gamble on it. You could, you can sort of see that perspective. Like if you're the, if you're Brad Mills or Terry Francona or whatever, you're you're more concerned about winning the game. You know, if you can have a team highlight and sell some collectible plates or something in the future, that's nice for your team. But you're probably not going to be fired or hired or kept employed based on that sort of thing whereas if Kluber hurts himself maybe you will be maybe you'll lose maybe you won't make the playoffs because of it so the thing is it's 113 pitches like you don't have to let him go 140 
right? Unless they, unless maybe it is. Maybe if you let him go out there and he strikes out one guy and then puts the next two on, and then you pull him, then maybe we're really mad because he's only one strikeout away. But, I mean, 113, like, he could get out of that inning in 126 without anything weird happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody is going to blink at 126. Like, in this day and age, even, nobody blinks at 126 from a veteran, right? Like, remember when Johnny Cueto did it and not one person said a thing until you 12 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I Kluber like, has never done it, but... Uh, but I don't, I don't. that was true of everybody until they did it right i also think that it's i don't i don't i mean this is actually maybe you could say this is brave it, it's surprising i'm not criticizing this but it's surprising to hear them say that you know they wanted to get closer in because this is a sort of the perfect example of the closer going to the closer actually being the riskier move from the manager getting second guest perspective uh-huh. Like if if Cody Allen comes in with his nine ERA and blows it, everybody's gonna be like, "How did you pull Kluber? He's having maybe literally the greatest start of all time," and <laughs> you pull him to go to your struggling closer. I mean, this was this was Jordan Zimmerman in the NLCS or NLDS that mm-hmm. decision, right? That mm-hmm. you 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 pull out your starter, and I know that that the numbers would show that it is often an illusion that a starter is cruising and that he's liable to continue cruising. Uh, and knowing that and even feeling that way most, almost all the time, even I thought, no way Kluber gives up a run <laughs> next inning. There's no way. He's never giving up a run in the next inning. But that's how it always is until he gives up a run. So I I totally see the, the logic behind that decision, and I I guess I applaud them for sticking with their sticking with that because it – it is true that it would have been very tempting uh, to leave Kluber in just for strategy reasons. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me happy. I'm still happy. Yeah, me too. Come on. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all I want, you That's... know? It's the, it, is the, it is like probably the record that is, that is in the most sweet spot of conceivable to be broken and like thus far un breakable you know like like there are a lot of records that are just not going to be broken like that like nobody's going to break cal ripkin's streak this year like not, that's not going to happen <laughs> nobody's going to hit 74 home runs this year most records nobody's going to steal 130 most records are not going to be broken and the the ones that are like they're not that special you know it's like doubles by a rookie might get broken but who cares but this is like a prestige Record. It is like almost the only prestige record that could conceivably be broken right now. Five homers could be, and you know maybe a couple others, but this one could. It's totally doable. We got there, and uh, to pull him without it being like a bulletproof decision to pull him feels very odd to me. Like Pineda, I was disappointed when they pulled Pineda, but I was not optimistic that I had a chance there. Like he had, he he was at. Uh, like a hundred and what was he at? Like a hundred and one pitches or something like that. I don't know, but he's Pineda. <laughs> he had he had I I figured that if he right he's Pineda. I figured if he were a normal pitcher, he'd have thirty or thirty five pitches to get seven, seven uh, to get five more strikeouts. And that's not that that's not unthinkable. Like they could even have pulled him after twenty one. Uh, but of course he's Pineda, and I thought no, probably not going to. Uh, so, so disappointing, but I understood. But 
with the Kluber one, like, I mean, like we were saying, even if he only had 16 strikeouts, we could have done a show on the decision to pull Kluber, like, without even the strikeout record being in play. So that's what makes it particularly galling. Yeah. And we were just talking about the Randy Johnson decision, 2001, and how he had a shot at Nolan Ryan's strikeouts in a season record. And, and in that case, the Diamondbacks were weighing the upcoming postseason and his age and his past injuries and he was super old and and you were about to start him for a month on three days rest a bunch of times and and there the stakes were much higher than in this case (laughs) yeah it was the right decision I'm, i'm surprised that they stuck to it but that was the right decision yeah and this is this is this would have been much much easier to sign off on to have Kluber go out there and at least throw 10 pitches and see what happened and take him out before his pitch count climbed to any sort of obscene amount. And it's a game in the middle of May and the stakes are not nearly as high. So it's disappointing. What did, We could figure it out, but what do you guess the odds were that he ties and breaks the record? Do you have a uh, ballpark sense? I'm not that interested in tying the record. Mm-hmm. So I won't even bother because that's much more complicated math. It's, it's much more. It's not complicated, but it's much more complicated math. But, I mean, what were the uh, – I'd I'd give them about a, I don't know, what, 30 – I mean, the, this is probably not actual, actually accurate. MGL would scold me <laughs> for saying this. But at that point in the game, the way he'd been pitching – I'd give him a 30, 37% chance at each individual, which gives him a 5% chance at getting 21, which actually seems low, doesn't it? Yeah, well, watching him, it does. But uh, So let's say it was, let's say, if, I mean, if he had a 47% chance of striking out each individual, then that's 10%. Uh, so still low. Maybe that was it. Maybe Frank Kona did the math. He's like, this, is just, this isn't going to end. He's not probably going to do it anyway. He's probably like 20. 20 has been done. He's not going to get 21. I don't care. I, I would I would be interested in 20, but I'm not that interested in 20. I'm yeah, very... 20 is interesting. You did, a, you did an award-winning article about a 20 strikeout game. Partly, though, partly, though that, was, that, that was different for a few reasons. One is that that wasn't just a 20 strikeout game. That was the greatest game ever pitched again, uh-huh. in a lot of, in a lot of uh, people's minds. Uh, and part... Well, if he had... If Kluber had struck out two in that inning and not allowed base runners, it would have been as good, right? Uh, well, it would have been identical. It would have it would have been a cheap hit and a hit by pitch, and then twenty strikeouts. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, partly what may, partly what that article was about was that it wasn't as dominant as you thought. Like mm-hmm. it was in some ways more dominant than you thought, and in some ways less dominant than you thought. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I'd want to write another one about the exact same start. Twenty is interesting, but it's been done. Like the the thing about twenty is that right now I could tell you everybody who who did twenty. It's Kerry Wood, no, uh, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens. It's the perfect three guys to have done it. Although maybe Nolan Ryan could fit in there. Maybe Sandy Kovacs could fit in there. But like I'm gonna I want to quickly shift to an email that we didn't answer yesterday, and it was a long email that started with a pretty simple question. We're not going to get into the long part. But it was about baseball Im- immortality and mm-hmm. what you what you can do to gain baseball immortality. And obviously you could ha- you could set the all-time home run record. But these are sort of things that 
you could get do to gain baseball immortality without being a superstar who has a superstar career. And I think there were it cited an Atlantic article, I believe, mm-hmm. and there were I think seven or eight. Yeah, there were six six things: throw a perfect game, strike out twenty, turn an unassisted triple play, play all nine positions in a game, hit four homers in a game, drive in ten in a game. And I would actually argue that throw a perfect game is one, strike out twenty is one, hit four homers in a game is one, and the other three are not. I couldn't tell you. Unassisted triple play is a gimmick. It means nothing. I couldn't tell you who's done it. Play all nine positions in a single game is like literally a gimmick. Like it only exists as a gimmick. Uh, it is like a, it is a Bill Vex stunt, nothing more. And drive in 10 runs in a game is nice, but I didn't even know 10 was like that. I didn't know that 10 was the number. I didn't know that it wasn't nine or 12. Yeah. So, uh, so there's basically those three and strikeout 20 would still be that. But to me, strikeout 20 in a game is almost the biggest of those three because I know the three, they're the perfect three. And if it got, no offense, but if it got kind of diluted by Corey Kluber, <laughs> it, eh, you know, like I'm, I would be very happy if Corey Kluber held the record. If he kind of shared it, and eh, now all of a sudden. <laughs> eh. So they were just looking out for the sanctity of the trifecta. Yeah, but he, he could have had 21. Mm-hmm. Sure could have. You pull him as soon as he... I'd pull him as soon as anybody knows. I would protect the trifecta by pulling. There's still the risk that he strikes out the first two and not the last. But yeah, you could do it. Yeah. Any other immort- any other ways of achieving immortality, by the way? I mean, hitting a walk-off in a World Series is definitely one. Mm-hmm. To well, win. Yeah. Lots of things you could... Yeah, in a World Series. <laughs> and everything is heightened. Yeah, oh, throw back-to-back no-hitters is definitely one. Mm-hmm. Need two games to do that, though. Oh, are these only things that you can do in a game? I guess these are all things that you can do in a game. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, all right, well, throw a no-hitter after you've thrown another Mm no-hitter. You need one game to do that. See? (laughs) Technicality. Okay. All right, right. well, you let us all down, Cleveland. It it is kind of nice. It is encouraging, though, that we have, in, in the last week, twice been close enough to feel the the salty uh, <laughs> sea breeze in our faces, like we've gotten there twice, and um, it's been a while since we've really gotten there. I mean, I can't remember really feeling that close in a while. Like I remember Chris Sale, I think, made me feel kind of close in one start. I don't even know if I'm right about that, but I remember. I'm gonna check see if it's true. I want to say like 2012 or 13. He struck out 15 and 7 and a third. That's probably the game I'm thinking of. And yeah, because I mean, 15 and 7 and a third, odds are that he had like 14 through 6 or something like that. Uh, But it's been a while since we've really gotten close. Yep. Well, thanks for the thrill, Corey. Okay, so that's it. In fact, he had 14 through 6. Okay, send us your emails, podcast at baseballperspectus.com, Facebook group, Facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild. Sponsor Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP. Get the $30 discount on a one-year subscription. And we will be back with another show tomorrow.